Hey friends, welcome to a special bonus episode of Igniting Imagination, a podcast to spark the spirit within you. From the Texas Methodist Foundation and Wesleyan Investive, I'm Lisa Greenwood. And for today's episode about church trends to watch in 2022, I had a great conversation with Reverend Rachel Billups, who serves as the lead pastor of Ginghamsburg Church in Ohio, and Reverend Matt Rawl, who is pastor at Asbury UMC in Bossier City, Louisiana. Rachel and Matt are inspiring preachers, speakers, authors. We'll put links in our show notes so you can find them and follow them. They're both critical thinkers, strategists, and visionaries in the church, and they are deeply faithful followers of Jesus. Now, they're from very different contexts. Rachel serves one of the largest churches in Methodism. Matt serves a medium-sized, pretty traditional Methodist church in Louisiana. They are both perfect conversation partners for this discussion. The disruptive trends that we're watching and that we're gonna talk about today are not original to us. We're drawing from articles by Carrie Newhoff, Tom Rayner, Joe Park. Again, we'll link all those articles in the show notes. The main point is that the pandemic has accelerated change. We've seen that. And the inherited models that we've been working off of for doing church are less effective. So we want to be paying attention to these shifts, to the trends that are happening. So let's listen to my conversation with Rachel and Matt. Hey, Rachel and Matt, it is so good to see you. Oh my gosh, we're so, I'm glad to be here. I don't know about Matt, but I am. <laughs> I've really so been early. looking forward to this. The coffee kicks in, the conversation will get better. But, uh, <laughs> but Thanks, Lisa, it's good to see you and hear your voice. Yeah, it's great to be together. So, you know, we've all been reading these articles and thinking about, you know, what we need to be thinking about for 2022 and ongoing. Oh gosh, and, yeah. and, and so we just thought we'd pick out a few of these trends to be watching for 2022 and just have conversation with you guys. So thanks for joining us and, and being part of it. I'm just going to name a trend that you know, folks are highlighting and, and then just get you guys to riff on it. So, so the Cowboys losing and being out of the playoffs oh, is uh, the most again. important trend. So, Hey, there they go. There are dreams happening in 2022, like new dreams. God is still on the throne. (laughs) (laughs) The Bengals haven't been in a playoff or won a playoff, I should say, in 31 years. So there you go. Miracles do happen. I know. It did make my heart happy to see that they won. This this is good. This is good. I'm sorry, Lisa. What trend were you talking about? (laughs) Right, right. So the we read, we've been reading several things. Joe Park talks about multi-access is here to stay. Mm. So, you know, lots of folks talk about it in terms of hybrid worship or hybrid experience, but we've been using this language of multi-access, which really puts it on the user and, and not on the the technology, right? How are folks accessing? And so um, that's not just a pandemic shift, but rather right. a, a new way of, of being the church in the world. So I'd love to hear you all talk about that. Yeah, so it, it's 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 not kind of the, the method of madness several years ago was to take something, for example, take something that's in print and move it into a digital space. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're beyond simply doing it. We're beyond simply putting our stuff online, right? That, that That's no longer engaging. Because kind of the model is in terms of discipleship, right? And in, in engaging with one another, there was pipeline, like you had a definitive disciple pipeline. You, you know, 
baptism, confirmation, small group, and then you join SPR for the rest of your life or whatever it is. <laughs> um, then, then that moved into you know, people like you call and ask them to be in leadership and they're like, I've served my time. Here's your orange jumpsuit. Thanks for being on planet. So, but, but, then, but then they moved into kind of like ecosystem and environment, right? Where we were mm-hmm. having things like dinner church and pub theology and some of those kind of lived realities that were part of the environment and the ecosystem. Now it's shifted to abide, the church being with me, ah. right? And in my space, right? It's not external. It's the church moving into the space and it's intimate. And even though it's technological, it's also intimate because yeah. it's with Right, the church is with you, and I think in terms of multi, it's in my living room or in my kitchen or right here it's with on your me. Phone, right? It's in your living room. It's with yeah. you, right? It's, and, and that's kind of been our dream for the last fifty years of Protestant <laughs> church ministry is to be outside the walls of the church, right? And it's happening like organically, which is exciting. To, obviously, it's exciting to me. Uh, in terms of multi-site, right? That's kind of the word we need to think about is not simply putting something online or digitizing for the sake of digitizing. It is how do we abide with mm. our people, right? Mm-hmm. It's no longer, it's not even an environment or ecosystem anymore. It is to abide with our people. It's kind of the first word that comes to mind when we think about multi, multi-site trends that are happening. I always say that when it comes to the contacts that I'm in, like permission to play, we are just experimenting in ways mm. that are really, really fun. I've got this incredible team of people at Ginghamsburg who are just leaning into the future and asking the question, like literally I text my team, should we be off of Facebook? Like, should we just let it go? Let's let Facebook go. And um, they were like, well, not yet. We have a couple of things that are (laughs) successful on Facebook. And I said, well, because we're having so many problems, we can't even stream on Facebook right now because of some problems that we're having. Uh, We stream on YouTube and live church and all that kind of stuff. But Facebook is really giving us fits. And uh, I was like, like, let's forget it. Cause they know we're, they're dying. We know they're dying. So let's, let's give ourselves permission to leap. And, and so they were like, well, not quite yet. And then I said, well, I just need you to know you have permission to leap when we're ready. And I think, you know, as a person who, you know, I'm a middle-aged person now. It's so weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, uh-uh. yeah. Nobody calls yeah, you yeah. that, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, it's true. I have this interesting, like, experience of, you know, I have 24-year-olds on my staff right. who are challenging me to think about the world in new ways. Yep. And if I'm honest, there are moments where I'm like, well, I don't want to try that. I don't want to learn something new screw TikTok. I don't want to dance in front of people, like all the things. And, and then you're missing I'm, out by the way. I, dancing on TikTok is amazing. Yeah. Emerald one. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of your stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Anyhow. So as, as you're, as you're moving, as we're moving forward, even myself, I, I have to like, let go of the fear of what I know and step yes. into something I don't know. And if that's true of me, middle-aged person, I can't imagine, you know, like generations above me who are like, hey, I just got a smartphone. Like, what the heck are you asking me to do? Like, things are changing so rapidly. So how do we posture ourselves as people, as leaders to try new things and to give the people around us permission to play? Let's just give people permission and to experiment in ways that that are costly. I mean, the word play is, is, is a great word because yeah. 
because we talk about like gamification of of what the church is right playing uh, is a great word in terms of this space that we're trying to inherit you know my, my 10 year old daughter does not have a facebook account and we'll never have one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Facebook's going to come and go before, you know, so she's not watching online when we stream, but gaming and gamification play literally playing. Yeah. Uh, is a great way to abide uh, with our people. I love that. Right. It's a good word. Okay, I love this direction that you all are going in and in the whole notion of play and such and there there was one thing that Carrie knew, one of the trends that Carrie Newhoff raised that I, I uh, bristled a little. And so I really would love for yeah. you all to, to talk about. And it's where he talked about information will move online and transformation will move to in person. I thought that was bold. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I read that line, I was like, are you serious? Do you know how that, many that's, relationships that was my reaction. I, have, I have with people? who that are online only like it's just mind-blowing to me like as though transformation can't happen in a digital world i was like what are you saying and the pressure that that sentence put on people it was almost like okay you if you think your worship service is not customized enough you're gonna have to get even more custom i was like that is such a consumer mentality it's such a consumer mentality transformation is Let's be honest. Transformation is not in our hands. It's in the hands of God. That's not where we're at. And so if we have good theology that says it's God at work and we're just partnering with God, we can't be like information here, transformation here. That was crap. (laughs) Sorry, Carrie. I love your stuff. But I was like, no, sorry. Mm -mm. Not happening. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, Rachel. (laughs) Yeah, there's not much to add to that. So, yeah, right on. All right. Okay. You ready to move to the next trend? Sure. Yeah. So, this is one that Carrie raised, and, I, and I've seen it in other places too that I, you know, I frankly think is spot on, but I really want you all to play with it a little bit. Pastors will sense a diminished authority. Mm. So, Lisa, I want to speak to this because I, you can imagine, like, I'm in a community. That's particularly that leans conservative. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a woman. Uh, when I became the <laughs> senior pastor at Ginghamsburg, I was a whopping 38 years old. And so I didn't have any authority, but I did have influence. Hmm. And I actually believe influence is incredible. And anybody and everybody has influence. Like everybody has influence. You have influence over your family. You have influence in your workplace. You have influence in the community. Everybody has the potential to have influence. And I'm thrilled that authority is going away because I Hmm. think authority is the way in which we hold power over one another. And so when when I read that line, I was like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like, this is going away. This notion that just because I hold this position, I have authority. Well, how about you do the real work of having influence in the community and among the people that you find yourself in? Yeah, the same. Because it, it, in terms of a trend, in terms of authority, it's not necessarily just clergy uh, authority that is diminishing, but there's this whole decentralized movement yeah, that's going on, that. right? Yeah, uh, uh, DOAs, right? The uh, um, DOA that's dead on arrival. DAOs, <laughs> uh, decentralized <laughs> autonomous organizations, uh-huh. uh, which may be DOA. I don't know. I get my, I'm a, <laughs> I get my oh my acronyms like messed up all the time. DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So there's there's something there there is with technology. There is a bit of a leveling. 
of the playing field that's going going on like with web3 stuff like artists have immediate contact to their audiences without having to go through like capital records or spotify Mm -hmm. or or some of these things and we're seeing this organically happening in our community so it's it's not a bad thing that there's a diminished uh, authority as as rachel is saying because there is this movement of this organic communal thing happening because and frankly the authority that pastors have been given we've abused for a long time Mm -hmm. so this Mm -hmm. diminished return in terms of authority is not a bad thing. This diversification of authority, I think, will lead to a stronger base uh, in terms of, of what the church is able to do. And I also think you see churches that are still trying to hang on to that. And, you right. know, they're they're still like, like, our voice is the best voice. We have the answers, all those kinds of things. I just don't think that that is helpful for the future. I also believe it's an indication uh, that leadership is going to be more collaborative in the future than just centralized to one human being. It's just going to be collaborative. It's kind of what we were talking about before the podcast. It's why I'm so heck bet on having such a diverse team of people around me. Because even though my ego says, I want it to be about me, it's never been about me. And the more that I can pour into the people around me, the further, faster we can go. So I love that. So Gil Rendell wrote a paper at the beginning of the pandemic and talked about the changing role of the pastor. And he used these terms, temple person and poet, that this yeah. is the role of the, the pastor. And the temple person is is not the one you find when you get to the center, right? <laughs> the Holy of Holies. It's God that you are seeking, but that the temple person is the is a guide, is a, is one who points the way, is it, it's that kind of role for a pastor. And then poet as meaning maker, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, not literally the, the poet, but, but yes, at deep in our core, it's about making, uh, pointing the way to the God who is already at work, as you have said, Rachel, right? All around us and, um, and helping folks to name that and to find that source of meaning and purpose and and justice and hope and joy and in their lives and in the world, right? Yeah. yeah. And it takes, I mean, I think that it takes some intentional work, a lot of humility, because we've been mm. trained otherwise, you know? We've yeah. been trained otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, and I always, I have phrases for everything. I got to tell myself the truth about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, because the truth is like, it feels good to have authority. It feels good to uh, be the person that everyone wants to come to for answers. But I don't know are some of the most powerful words in the English yes. language. Ah, and so nice. I think we're in a season of, I mean, this pandemic has forced us to be, you know, honest. I don't know. Yeah, but and in terms of the, the pandemic, right? Because there's kind of three distinct marathons that we're trying to run uh, uh, in this. You know, the first one is over and done, and that was the oh my god, everything is shutting down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, I call it a, a traumatic improvisation, right? Uh-huh. Through trauma, oh. we had to improvise, right? Uh-huh. Uh, now, the good of that is there were some really clever things that came out of that, but it was also traumatic. So there's the bad, you know, the, the that we're still feeling this post-traumatic stress of of things shutting down and and loss. But the second marathon that we're in right now we're now if i were a betting man we're like 17 miles into it or something. i'm not a runner so i don't <laughs> rachel might know better yeah. we're like 65 percent of the way through this second pretty close you know 26.2 26.2 yeah yeah just, hey uh, if i'm doing 17 miles i'm in a car <laughs> <laughs> so i'll take your word hey matt you can get there you can get there uh, yeah in a car i just said 
<laughs> so the, the second marathon is, is uh, I call it existential exhaustion, mm. right? Mm. There's this, mm. everyone is exhausted. People are not looking for something else to do. Uh, Monday through Friday has never been harder, which is the beauty of, uh, in one of these articles that we were talking about is expanding worship outside of a Sunday morning yeah, experience, yeah. right? Uh, again, that's the abide model is where are the people? How do we find them? Instead of asking them to come to a Sunday, we abide with them during the week. So there, there's this exhaustion that is happening, the, the great uh, resignation, right? That is, that is happening. But there's also this existential part of it is people are asking really good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I want to stay in the same community of faith? Do I want to stay in the same job? Do I want to stay in the same relationships? And we're all kind of running this together. There's this like great reset button. Uh, it's like Thanos is snapping his fingers and we're all like trying to figure out exactly where, where our new role is. And that leads us into this like third marathon, which is nostalgic scarcity. We think there are now limited resources. So we're going to invest in the things that we think we have in terms of limitation into the things that we try to recapture in the past, which is not a great thing, mm-hmm. right? Especially in a lot of our churches in diminished return and diminished resources, there's this scarcity and we're trying to recapture 2019 because it makes us feel good. And in the short term, there's nothing wrong with doing a printed bulletin every now and again to make yourself feel good and remember that it's 2019. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to see the Bengals lose over and over again to remind you of 2019. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> you're welcome for taking you know, Joe Burrow from LSU. You know, you're welcome. You're welcome. He's, I, a, I, he's in Southeast Ohio, kid. Come on. He's home. He's home, baby. He's home. So, yeah, so in, in, in this, third, this third marathon is this nostalgic scarcity, right? We're trying to reproduce what we have with the limited resources that we think we have, mm-hmm. right? So the, the whole model of uh, abiding with people in, in where they are, decentralizing authority, bringing people to the table in this kind of organic, beautiful, communal way of, of, of being a community of faith. Wow. And that's the third marathon, Matt. That is discouraging. I mean, there could not be two more toxic trends in the church than nostalgia yeah. and scarcity, no, right? Yeah, we, we had a conversation just yesterday, uh, like a 15-minute conversation of, of what format to print a calendar for one of our Sunday school classes because they refuse to text and Facebook and, you know, so, and I'm not, we're not going to do it like big scale for the entire church, but if I need to print 10 calendars for the Sunday school class, you know, we'll do that short term, but sure. that's coming. This nostalgic scarcity is coming. We're going to try to re- re- relive what before the world went to hell. Uh, and we're going to find that place in, in, a, in a moment of, of limited resources. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's actually a nice transition, if we can say that, um, into the next trend. So this is another one that, that Joe Park raised where he said, less will give more. And um, and essentially that more dollars are coming from fewer people. Now we've been watching this trend for a long time in the church, but it, it's pretty pro- profound now. And and what happens in that is that the realization can be delayed because you're still getting as much money, right? Um, yeah. Because those few people are giving more. And so, so part of what the pandemic did is 
really create kind of a new sense of urgency for pastors and for congregations to pay attention to the need to create a culture of generosity, right? Yeah. Yeah, you say, really you say urgency, I say crippling anxiety. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Well, there you, you go. Use whatever word you want. This <laughs> yeah, urgency yeah. crippling anxiety about giving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, I'd love to hear you all talk so, about that trend and what oh. you're seeing. Yeah, I think I'm living it. You know, um, it's been so interesting. I, I have a beautiful example. Like last week, our offering was $37,000 and we need uh, per week and we need about 70. And uh, this week it was $125,000. And so just the like the the swing of oh, like, oh, it, it, and that and that was not the norm for us ever. And uh, we're averaging where we need to be, but it's just like week to week, it's just wild. And where the resources are coming from, and you're exactly right, less people are giving more money, period, exclamation mark. The other thing that we recognize is that people are giving money to what they want to give money to. They're very, they're unapologetic. It's like no BS. Like if, if your church is a value add, they're going to invest. If they don't believe you're a value add, they're not going to invest. And so I think one of the questions that we're asking ourselves as a team is where are we adding value in our church, in our community, and throughout the world? And if we're not, should we actually be doing that thing that doesn't add value to anybody's life? And so, gosh, that's a gut-wrenching question because there are a lot of things that we like to do because we like to do them, not because they're a value add. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Matt. Feel good, yeah. But it's not necessarily beneficial to the life of the church, and I, I totally agree in terms of 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 there are fewer givers, but they're giving more. The other thing to to recognize in terms of diminished return is how are we receiving funds, right? Yeah, yeah. Three eras, right? And I've talked about this to anyone who has ears to listen, right? Industrial age, information age, augmented age. In terms of church giving, industrial age is putting money in a pl- in a plate, yeah. right? Information age is giving online, like a QR code or auto draft. Augmented age is, can I gift the church the interest from my Bitcoin? Uh-huh. Can they receive that? Yeah. Right? And when we talk about there's less and less dollars coming in the plate, it's maybe we need to change the way in which we are receiving <laughs> these funds because people don't carry cash with them anymore. <laughs> we, you know. This is different. Like my kid, so our, we give our kids uh, allowances uh, every week, uh, whether they whether they do their chores or not. We're softies, whatever. Like, don't judge me. But we totally judging you. But go ahead. We, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, but we we pay them with uh, Apple Pay on their phone. Mm-hmm. Like, we do too. I, 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 yeah. yeah, I text them ten bucks on their phone, which then they can use in different. Pla- they can't use it everywhere. But but here here here's the gap. Is that if my daughter said, I want to tithe my allowance, allowance, there is no receptacle in my local church for her to tap her phone and to tithe her allowance. Mm. Like you would have to like go to an ATM and pull out cash and, you know, because she doesn't have a bank, like she can't use a QR code. Right. Because she, she doesn't have a bank to attach it to. Right. So there's a gap, right? This diminished return is, is maybe we're, we're not in a position to receive well the, the changing culture. Right. Uh, And I've been raising this flag with a lot of our foundations of can we even can you can you equip churches to receive like digital currency, for example, because there's not a 23 year old graduate from college in business 
that doesn't have like Bitcoin or Solana or uh, Ethereum as a part of their investment portfolio. It's all in there, right? Uh, and, and even if someone said, I want to give you the interest from my Ethereum, my finance person is looking at it like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, are you talking about? <laughs> Ethereum what? <laughs> exactly, right? You know, are you eating shrooms? Like Ethereum what? Yeah. Uh, so, and we need to we need to get with that. So maybe that's part of why there is a diminished return is that we're not equipped to receive well. That's yeah. good, Matt. So you're describing this gap between kind of where the church lives and how people are giving and why people yeah. are giving. So I'm curious, you know, technology is part of this, but also just in terms of how you communicate with your folks and and how you disciple. Like, what what are some of the things that you're trying to do? to help, um, you know, fill that gap or lessen that gap. Yeah. I think the, the first thing is recognizing, like, I appreciate Michael Todd having an hour and 45 minute sermon, but like my people, they, 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 they need like a 17 second entertaining TikTok that explains that there's a red beans and rice fundraiser next Sunday. Right. So totally shifting and changing, not only like the kind of message, but where it's directed, right? Uh, Middle-aged Facebook, that's that's a community. Teenage TikTok, that's another community. Printed calendar outside of the Sunday school room, another targeted community, right? We have to be ubiquitous, but we also have to be smart, right? Because trying to, and it's frustrating, if I'm trying to get my my boomers onto TikTok, I'm, I'm just gonna be frustrated, right? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna feel defeated. I'm gonna feel like no one's listening, right? We have to be smart about where we're investing our time in terms of technology because not every platform is the same and not every platform has the same audience. But in that worship service, you're going to have TikTokers and, and, and Twitter and Facebook and also print material all in the same place. So you just have to be savvy in the way you use the different vehicles that you choose to use. I think when it comes to what we're trying to do in terms of generosity. Um, there are a couple of things that we're just behind on. If we're just honest with ourselves, this may shock y'all, but um, Gang of Cirque doesn't have an endowment. We never have. We've always been the kind of place that um, every dollar goes out into mission. It's just been our... And we realize that we've probably already lost millions of dollars because uh, we haven't given people an opportunity to invest. And so there are just some pockets of dollars that we're trying to um, shore up because we know uh, those boomers want containers that they that are important to them. And so uh, we're working in that direction. Uh, the other piece, we're just trying to create a, a culture of generosity for a new generation and unapologetically just talk about money in a fun and freeing way. I think for far too long, the church has been kind of either too serious or maybe even too scared uh, to talk about money as discipleship. And what we see is that some of our most well-discipled people are the most generous people. So we say that and we talk about why that is and we make fun of ourselves for, you know, we're not going to be TV evangelists and we're not going to send you a uh, a new book for your donation of $19.99. I mean, we're just not... Um, we're excuse not me, I have lots of books that I'm willing to give. For <laughs> I'm sure we could do that. But, yeah. And so uh, we're just talking, uh, we just want to remind people of, just the the discipline of giving and what it how it frees people when it comes to consumption and also frees people uh, to live very generous lives. So we're pretty hellbent on creating a culture of generosity 
moment by moment. And I'm always like kind of the best church in the world. We are working on our Christmas miracle offering. So far, we've raised $331,000 for both local missions. And we have a project in Southwest Louisiana uh, that we've been working on in conjunction with Bishop Harvey. And so we're excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my goodness gracious, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you know, like, and money's tight and our people are still, our people give the mission. They just do. And it's it's that investment, right? It's it's that return that you were talking about the, you know, it matters. uh, It matters. So yeah. part, Part of the gap that we're seeing is, is the church is arguing about whether let's imagine that the church is a wallet manufacturing company. Like we make wallets, right? Let's imagine that for a second. And the church is arguing on the ethics of whether wallets should be made of leather or whether wallets should be made of polyester. But the problem is no one under the age of 20 carries one. There you go. That's the problem. (laughs) The church is arguing about the ethics of whether or not a wallet can be made of leather or polyester for a generation that doesn't carry, carry them. a wallet. Right. <laughs> that's the problem. That's yeah. the gap. That's right? the picture that's right the there, right? Yeah. 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 Thanks, y'all. Okay. So our fourth and final trend that I want us to play with is, is that a community focus is more important than ever. Yeah. So Tom Rayner mentioned this, Joe Park mentioned this, of course, others are talking about this, that, uh, more and more, you're seeing a laser focus on literally your neighborhood, a set, yeah. uh, that kind of specific geography, right? So um, say a word about that. Well, in, engagement uh, is, is the new, like 20 years ago, it was all about programming, right? Uh, you had youth activities, you had children's activities, you had very specific like men between the ages of 35 and 42 activities, right? Uh, and it was all very programmed. And this is general, like this is just a general assumption, right? Not everybody, you know, but it was very program focused. Now it is, it is, it is strictly engagement. Again, that same abiding with people, right? It is community engagement, uh, which is one of the reasons why we're like a lot of our program ministry is shifting to what we're calling masterclass, where our members, and it's, it's really simple, is everyone has something that they love enough to teach whatever it is, right? And it's community engagement, whether it's coaching soccer or painting a piece of artwork or online gaming or learning how to change a tire, right? It is it is simply Christian engagement. And I say Christian engagement, the end game, here's the thing, is we keep reading the, the Great Commission wrong, right? Uh, it's not to go out and make disciples of the nations. It is to disciple the nations. We are not a product, Right. And the church keeps getting this wrong all the time as if we're a factory making. When is a disciple finished? Right. You make a disciple. Is that do you how do you know that you actually have accomplished that goal? That's so dumb. Let's make disciples as if like you 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 spit out this product of a person. You know, no, no, no. It's it's to disciple the nations, to teach mm-hmm. the nations, to engage with the nations with a self-sacrificial engagement that communicates to them that they are valued. And that they are loved, whether they play soccer, whether they are gay, whether they climb mountains, it is to communicate that they are a child of God, strictly in a community of engagement that will be supportive and that is not going anywhere. That's the beauty of, of a church in a community is that we're not going anywhere, right? 
whether even if you disappoint us, even if you walk away, even if you don't join my church and leave, you're still in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it's still my job to love you and serve you, even when you're being a schmuck. <laughs> and like, you know, and that's it, it is engagement, abiding with one another is is really this, and it's a beautiful trend. I love that trend. is a beautiful emerging trend that we need to go all in with. So, Lisa, at Ginghamsburg, um, probably about I don't know. This is just part of our DNA. It's part of my DNA. I'm the person in the neighborhood that invites everybody over to my house all the time. (laughs) And uh, I'm always talking to my neighbors, even if they get mad at me, then I just walk over to their house and I'm like, okay, why are you mad at me? We can't be mad because I love you. We have this uh, whole thing that we do called Home is the Hub, where Mm -hmm. at the beginning, really the pandemic just taught us that this whole notion, I mean, part of a mega church, we have had this notion for years that you come to us. Like we provide the resources, you come to us. And and so we wanted to flip the script and say, no, like this is a launching pad. Like if the pandemic has taught us anything is that the building is only a resource. It's not the church. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, how do we week by week resource our people to go to the hub of ministry, which is their stinking home, whether you live in an apartment or a mobile trailer or a home that 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 is the hub of ministry and so in your neighborhood and so we encourage people to do things like real real challenging like start with prayer because you don't want to go knocking on your neighbor's door if you're not praying about it so start with prayer and then tell your neighbor your story because everybody has god's story i have this beautiful so i do crazy things in worship i actually just talked to this guy his name's jerry yesterday so in worship i'm like let teaching people how to share their God story. Not like, hey, in 1972, I gave my life to Jesus, but this is what Jesus is doing in my life right here, right now. And I uh, just said, okay, right now, 90 seconds, tell me your God story. And so people said little things. And then this guy, Jerry, who's in his 70s, stood up and he said, um, you know, you told us to like get to know our neighbors. And I noticed across the street, there was a neighbor who's older and he was having trouble with his lawnmower. So I went across the street and I started helping him and I found out that he had had a stroke and his wife had died and he was all alone. And here's this guy, he's burly, he's like tough and he just starts to weep. And he says, I realize that I was supposed to be there for that guy. And that guy is supposed to be there for me. And I have this beautiful relationship with my neighbor that I would have never had if my freaking preacher wouldn't have said, go meet your neighbor's name and get their name. <laughs> so anyhow, so like, so we're, and I'm constantly reminding our people because we are forgetful and we like to isolate and it's hard work. So they go out, they share their story, they start discipling groups. And then we have this fourth thing that we make people do and we call it love regardless. So your neighbor is an ass love regardless. <laughs> you know, your neighbor um, gets on your ever loving nerves, love regardless. Like it is, and, and, and in very practical ways, we just teach our people how to be good neighbors, not so that we can fill seats in the church, but so that we can be the church in our neighborhood. Right there. So I had this thought the other day, I was at my kitchen sink and Right now, all my kids are in my home because we're online learning and because of COVID and all this stuff. And we have really strong opinions about COVID in this neighborhood and and in this community. And uh, Facebook was just terrible. People were such (laughs) nice humans. Regardless. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I have this phrase uh, because I have so many. 
I thought to my, I'm telling people all the time, you've got to choose relationship over being right. And I sat at the kitchen sink and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm standing at the kitchen sink. And I'm like, Rachel, you got to practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. Like um, more than anything, if you continue to show this community that even though you disagree on a lot of things and I disagree on a lot of things with my community, if you keep loving regardless, it will transform you and the community Mm -hmm. around you from the inside out. And it does. Like I could tell you story after story of getting invited to do the weirdest of stuff And because people, they don't like my theology, but they love my love. They don't like my theology, but they love my love. And so we are the church that helps people. So let's be a good neighbor and let's love our neighbors regardless. Love regardless. It's a really good word for us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. A great word to end on. You all are awesome. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So tomorrow we'll record another one uh, on uh, pick a topic, and we'll just we'll just do it daily. Oh yeah, do a whole new... there a fun way to start our day? Like every, every day. day, every day, holidays, <laughs> vacations, every day. Matt has no boundaries, so zero, zero. <laughs> yeah. You I'm definitely cross mine. I'm just trying to abide. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Igniting Imagination is a production of the Leadership Ministry Team at Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation with excellent editing support from TruthWork Media. Check out our show notes and website for more information about all our guests and how you can follow them. I'm Blair Thompson-White, and from all of us at Leadership Ministry, thanks for listening.